Hello everyone and welcome to our Consumer Duty podcast focusing on scoping issues for wholesale firms. My name is Zara Cody and I'm counsel in the Financial Regulation Group in London. I'm joined by my colleague James Morris, who's a managing associate in the same team. Thanks, Sarah, and hello, everyone. So this podcast follows on from our general consumer duty scoping webinar, a link to which you can find in the show notes to this podcast. Building off that, we're going to drill in a little bit more detail into the scoping issues that wholesale firms will face when thinking about the consumer duty. Everyone should now have done their implementation plans, had board approval of these, and be thinking about appointing their board champions. So it's time to start work in earnest on understanding the duty's impact on the business and identifying where uplifts might be needed in order to comply. Most wholesale firms, of course, won't face retail customers directly. But I suppose the first question to ask is, do we think that wholesale firms will be impacted at all? Uh, So it's a fair question, Sarah, but I think most wholesale firms will find some impact on their business. So I guess why do I think that? The duty, as everyone knows, is scoped broadly in that it applies where a firm either has direct interactions or client relationships with retail customers or where the firm's in a distribution chain and where the firm determines or has a material influence over retail customer outcomes, notwithstanding that the retail customer may not be its client due to the indirect nature of their relationship. So I guess for a wholesale firm, what that means is that even if you don't face retail clients directly, for example, because the firm's immediate client is someone like an asset manager, a private bank or a pension trustee, uh, wholesale firms are going to need to think about whether there are retail customers at the end of a distribution chain that they're involved in behind their immediate professional clients. And if the answer to that is yes, then the next question is, can I, the firm, exercise material influence over those end retail customer outcomes? That's right. It's important to remember that when we say retail customer here, the FCA has chosen to use the relevant definitions in the existing handbook chapters that govern the business in question. So for the sales and trading activities of wholesale firms, we're thinking about clients that are not professionals under COPS. So lots of wholesale firms will, of course, opt up their immediate clients from retail to professional status. The duty won't apply once the customer is opted up. But I think the FCA has said that it will apply to the opt-up process, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And that's a really good point, actually, for wholesale firms that have onboarded elective professional clients. So one of the things MIFID 2 did when that came in was to make local public authorities and municipalities retail clients by default. So I think lots of firms will have clients on their books that are opted up local authorities as their immediate customers. And so those firms are going to need to think about that opt-up process through the lens of the duty. Broadly, however, I guess most wholesale firms will will be dealing with professional clients as their immediate customers and so need to be thinking about those indirect impacts. Okay, so before we think about those indirect impacts, there are a few clear exemptions to the duty, aren't there, which I think are quite relevant to wholesale firms. James, can you talk us through the exemption process for products that aren't intended for retail customers? Uh, Yes, absolutely. So again, it's an exemption that looks really quite helpful on its face, particularly for the uh, ECM and DCM businesses of wholesale firms. On the drafting, this exemption is actually quite narrowly scoped and technical. So the exemption applies to an offer as that term is applied in the takeover code and the prospectus regulation, and the promotional communications associated with that offer in the context of an issuance or buyback of securities. However, there's lots of scoping criteria relevant to the instrument itself in the wording of the exemption. So those criteria effectively limit this exclusion to plain vanilla securities that are listed on a recognised investment exchange or trading venues operated by a regulated market. 
and that's providing that the instrument's return of capital isn't index-linked, the instrument doesn't convert into another instrument, uh, it doesn't have exit charges, and doesn't involve liability other than the cost of acquiring the instrument. Uh, and the instrument also must not be a collective investment scheme or an AFE. So, yeah, it's not a blanket exemption for ECM or DCM businesses, because if there's any involvement with unlisted securities or things like convertible bonds that end up in the hands of retail investors, uh, then this exemption actually won't help, and firms will need to move on to consider whether they're exercising material influence over end retail customer outcomes because of their role in, for example, advising the issuer on structuring or assisting with distribution. I think that's right. So there probably is some thinking perhaps for ECM and DCM businesses, depending on the mandates on which they're working and the products that they help issuers with. Where else do we think wholesale firms are going to be caught? It's a great question. And um, of course, I think people are still thinking through the detailed fact patterns of their businesses. Uh, and doubtless more is going to come out of the woodwork as, as implementation projects continue. I suppose the really obvious area of impact for lots of wholesale firms is going to be the retail structured products business. So most wholesale firms, retail structured products businesses won't face retail customers directly. But the FCA has been quite clear that it thinks that a manufacturer of a retail structured product will be in scope of the duty. The the exemption for financial instruments with a minimum denomination over £50,000 might help to de-scope some of that business. But depending on uh, the types of products that a firm's issuing, that might not be the case across the board. So I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to firms that have retail structured products businesses, particularly because the FCA has been focused on this segment of the market for some time, both on firms that are manufacturing and on distributors. But I do think the duty is going to mean that those firms with retail structured product businesses are going to need to think more broadly than just in terms of compliance with the MIFID product governance rules and things like PRIPs going forwards. We said a fair amount about this in terms of our initial thoughts on impacts for retail structured product businesses in our first wholesale banking webinar, which I think uh, is available on the webpage for those who missed it. That's right. So we have a recording of our Consumer Duty for Wholesale Firms webinar on the Consumer Duty webpage on linklatest.com. So if you are interested in having more detail about the impact on retail structured products, you can find that there. I think it's also worth mentioning at this point that there are some areas where wholesale banks can probably be more comfortable that they will be directly out of scope. For example, ordinary secondary market trading with professionals and ECPs seems unlikely to be capable of having a material influence over end retail customer outcomes. Absolutely, I think that's right. Um, And do you think there are any other kind of specific scenarios that are worth mentioning at this point that we've been thinking about or that we've been asked questions on? Yeah, so I think it's worth stepping back, actually, and just thinking about this concept of being in a distribution chain, because I think that is quite key, particularly where this is how you're conducting retail market business, which is obviously the trigger for the duty to apply, as opposed to, say, being a manufacturer or a distributor. So if you look at the guidance, the FCA says in an e-money context that a safeguarding bank is part of a distribution chain with retail. So it's not a manufacturer, it's not a distributor, but it does pay money out following a request from a retail customer on behalf of an e-money firm providing retail customers with that service. So if we track this back to a wholesale context, does that mean, for example, that a firm providing custody services for professional clients who then in turn have retail clients is in a distribution chain that ends in retail? You can see that the scenario is similar, but it's not the same. You know, a subcustodian bank could be holding a variety of different assets. And I think they they generally don't pay direct to retail. But working out if you are in that distribution chain involving a manufacturer and a distributor is going to be really important. And I think it can 
be quite challenging in a wholesale context. I think over time, we will get a sense from the FCA through its advice and its guidance of the types of activities that will make you more or less likely to be in a distribution chain that ends with a retail customer. And there hopefully will be some guardrails that firms can use as part of their assessments. But I think it will take time. And then, of course, it's really important to remember that even if you are in a distribution chain with a retail customer, you might not be exercising any material influence. And that, I think, will often be the case for wholesale firms. So, James, any final points from you on this? I think perhaps just to reiterate a couple of points we've touched on, which is that, you know, although wholesale firms are more remote from the duty than those in other sectors, I guess the way in which the rules have been drafted does actually leave some of the areas of the business quite clearly in scope. So things like retail structured products businesses and in other business areas, some perhaps quite difficult scoping questions that need to be addressed. So although I guess most wholesale firms are likely going to reach the conclusion that lots of their business is out of scope, it's making sure that the reason for that has been explored and documented that's key. Um, Of course, we'd be happy to help with that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time, James, and thank you for discussing this with me today. We will be doing more podcasts and webinars as the consumer duty journey winds on, so plenty to look forward to. Please do take a look at our consumer duty webpage on linklaters.com for all of our latest insights, including recordings of our webinars and other editions of our podcast series. We are working on a range of template documents to support the entire implementation process and to enable you to embed the duty into your first line business as usual processes after go live. We're also available to help support in other ways so please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you for listening today and goodbye.